This episode of the MGMA podcast is brought to you by Walmart Business. It's the Walmart you love, now for business. Get everything you need for your staff and patients in one place. Enjoy big savings on health and safety products, cleaning supplies, over-the-counter medications, and much more. And don't forget the break room snacks. Create a free account today and start shopping at business.walmart.com. That's business.walmart.com. From inflation to the rising cost of healthcare, in today's economic environment, many patients may delay or choose not to move forward with recommended care because of the cost. By accepting the Care Credit credit card, you can help more patients get the care they want and need without delay by offering a convenient way to pay for coinsurance, deductibles, and care not covered by insurance. Plus, when patients use Care Credit, you receive payment in two business days, helping to increase cash flow and reduce self-pay receivables, enhance the patient experience, and help increase satisfaction and loyalty with Care Credit. For more information or to get started, visit carecredit.com/mgma-podcast. Well, hi everyone. I'm Daniel Williams, senior editor of MGMA and host of the MGMA Podcast Network. Today, we're happy to welcome Christopher Clark to the show. Christopher has his MBA, he has his FACMPE, and he is currently administrator at Dermatology Consultants of Sacramento. Christopher, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So I'm just going to go to the beginning in that career of yours because I had an opportunity to go to your LinkedIn page. We're going to talk about some other things not related to healthcare, but first, what got you interested in healthcare in the first place? So I've always um, had a desire from a young age to, to serve and to help people. And that's really what me uh, got me into the military in the first place at a very, very young age. Um, I uh, enlisted the day after I turned 15. So I had to have my Whoa. dad take me to the recruiting station and sign, sign me over to the government. Um, so I served my time in the military. Uh, when I got out, I worked for a manufacturing company for a while and really got to see what um, the civilian sector was like as far as the bottom line and everything else and um, realized that was not where I wanted to be. Um, so once they relocated from Oregon to Georgia and I decided I did not want to go back to the South, um, I really went back kind of to what I, my passion was, and that was, you know, helping people. And I was looking either into going into education or healthcare and um, still doing IT at the time and uh, had an opportunity to come up at a hospital um, working with them. And so that's, that's where the, my healthcare journey really got started. Um, okay. Well, that is great. Thank you so much. And I, I'm going to ask you about the military later, but I have to jump in here first. I didn't, it's legal to uh, put somebody 15 years old in the military? If, so I was in the delayed entry program from the time I um, was a junior in high school, so all my last two years of high school, and a week after I graduated, I was in basic training. And of course, your your parent has to consent. Okay. Because you're not, 
of legal age yet. And right. yeah, when I told my dad um, the day after I turned 15 that we have an appointment at the recruiting station. He was like, what? <laughs> so yeah, I, I knew back then that's, that is what I wanted to do. That is remarkable. Well, congratulations. And uh, that's a pretty awesome story. Uh, I guess you were mature, but beyond your years, I didn't, when I was 15, I was sort of learning how to drive, but not <laughs> <laughs> serving my country too much. <laughs> oh, that is remarkable. Well, uh, yeah, wow. We're going to get into that a little bit more later. So first of all, as I mentioned earlier, you're an administrator at Dermatology Consultants of Sacramento. So share with our listeners a little bit about that, what uh, you see as your role there. So what I really see as my role, not just here, but you know, throughout my healthcare journey, um, you know, my view is that patients go to the doctor because they are in pain, they're scared, um, or they're, you know, they're they're afraid for their loved ones. And they're putting their lives um, in our hands. Mm -hmm. So it is our um, responsibility to do everything we can to make that patient's day and hopefully their life better. So it is my job to make sure that my staff also has that same belief and that we do everything that we can to make sure that our providers can take the best care um, of, the, of our patients that they can. So that's that's really my focus as a, a healthcare leader. So that's that's what I'm all about. Yeah. So to shed even more light on that, give our listeners an understanding of who Dermatology Consultants of Sacramento is, size and scope of the practice, anything else you can share with us about uh, how you see uh, this organization and how it's constructed and the things that y'all are doing there. Certainly. Um, so Dermatology Consultants of Sacramento is the longest um, privately owned uh, dermatology practice in Sacramento County. We've been around for over 50 years. Wow. Uh, we currently have um, three providers. We have two physicians and a physician assistant. We're bringing on another physician in three weeks. Um, general dermatology with a very tad bit of um, cosmetic, like Botox and filler and stuff. Okay. But uh as, Mar as Dr. Parsons always says, we are family practice of the skin. We see everything, all uh, dermatology issues, all age ranges, all skin types. Um, we saw a little over 16,000, had a little over 16,000 visits last year, bringing on another provider this year, we're probably going to bump it up to about 20,000. So extremely busy practice, um, average anywhere between 75 and 100 visits a day. That is remarkable, Christopher. So I have to, full disclosure, I don't know that I've ever been to a dermatologist. I have family members who, my family uh, on my mom's side has moles. And so I've, my mom and my sister and other family members have been numerous times to get things removed, that sort of thing. But um, what, uh, what would you say is the bread and butter? What are you seeing when patients come in? What are you, what are y'all seeing them for? And what are you, some of the main procedures y'all are uh, having there? Well, it really depends on their age bracket. We see a lot of, um, you know, teenagers, uh, preteen and stuff for acne and whatnot. Okay. Um, but then you know, we're also coming to the point where a lot of the population are, you know, the baby boomers and stuff where it was healthy to have a tan and you would lay outside with the, right. uh, the baby oil and everything. <laughs> and now they're realizing that wasn't the best idea. 
So a lot of um, skin cancer, basal cells, squamous right. cells and stuff. Um, we do some melanoma procedures, but once it gets to be too deep or wide and it's mm-hmm. going to require a Mohs procedure, um, that's not something that we do here. So we have to uh, refer those out to other uh, facilities. Okay. That, that gives great context there. So you were telling us earlier about the volume of patients that y'all are seeing, which kind of blew my mind a little bit. So I'm going to ask you this next question. What are the biggest challenges you're seeing in the practice? Is it patient volume? Is it staffing? Is it billing? What Give us an idea of the things y'all are dealing with. And, and if you want to uh, share maybe some solutions that you're, you're finding, some ways to make things either more efficient or getting paid, you know, whatever it might be you want to share. Sure. So I think um, our biggest challenge is probably the same challenge that a lot of uh, practices have is that staffing. Um, finding medical assistance uh, is always a challenge. And for me, it's not necessarily finding the people that are trained as a medical assistant, because a lot of those skills I can, I can train. It's really hiring the right person, the right personality, um, the right attitude. We have a very close knit staff. Um, a lot of my staff will hang out after work. They go camping on the weekends. We, sponsored soccer teams where, you know, if you're not playing on the field, you're on the sidelines. So we're very, very close knit family. Um, So it's a challenge for me to make sure when I am hiring somebody, I'm bringing somebody on that's going to fit in with the team, with the culture, because, you know, you bring somebody in that doesn't quite fit, they start making waves and it just makes everything that that much more difficult. And we are too busy um, of a practice to have to deal with any of that kind of that stuff. And some of the efficiencies that I've found um, that we incorporate is cross-training. I have um, my, all of my scribes are also medical assistants. Um, I'm pushing to have all my medical assistants trained as scribes. Some of my front desk um, in a pinch can throw on some scrubs and room patients. Most of my medical assistants can sit up front and help check in. Um, So that way we can maintain a lower level of um, staff. Um, while still maintaining that high level of of efficiency and patient care. Uh, Probably about 50% of my staff are med students, whether they are in their gap year or, you know, on, you know, spring or summer break, um, or they're currently in school. Uh, Several of my staff are here part-time, so like three days a week, and the other two days they're in school. So we maintain that flexibility and we're able to do that with the cross training where I have a couple of people out, you know, taking classes and other people fill in for them. And that's, it can be an administrative challenge because it's kind of a revolving door. People come in for a year or two, like when they're in their gap year and stuff, but those individuals are incredibly bright, incredibly driven. They want to be in healthcare. They have, you know, a focus for where they want their lives to go. So those that year or two that I have them is just fantastic. Mm-hmm. And then they leave and I have to find the next fantastic person. So that's a challenge. And it's also on a, like an emotional and personal level, you get attached to those uh, individuals. And then when they leave, it's like, you know, so I'm watching my daughter go off to college again. Right. Um, last month, we have had two of our scribes get accepted to med school and go off uh-huh. and it's, it's also kind of tough for staff because they build that yeah. bond and that friendship because we're so close. But being a part of that journey, um, it's just amazing. Um, mm-hmm. it, getting to watch their 
um, Zoom videos of them getting their white coats and everything is fantastic. Um, the first scribe that we had who went to med school, um, she's in her fourth year. Um, so I, I always kind of uh, talk to her and say, hey, you know, if you want a contract, just you know, let me know when you get done. So yeah. it's kind of planting those seeds for the next evolution of doctors and, you know, bringing them back, back into the fold. Right. You might've mentioned this, but I, for whatever reason, I didn't hear it. So how many FTEs do you have there? Give us a breakdown of the staff that you've got there. Sure. I've got four individuals working in my front desk. I've got one person doing my prior authorizations. I have a referral coordinator. I have two individuals in billing. Um, each one of my providers has their own scribe. So I have four scribes and then I have five other medical assistants. Okay. And is it all one location? Yes, it is one location. So okay. being on a new provider, it's going to add a, a little bit more of a challenge as far as um, footprint. Um, we typically um, would have uh, two of the days where we have three providers in. Now it's going to shift where every day is going to be three providers and one day is going to be four providers. So it's going to be a lot of moving parts and a lot of uh, controlled chaos. So, mm -hmm. Are you... With a dermatology practice, are you able to do much um, telehealth, you know, those kind of virtual visits, or is that something where you need to be hands-on and be able to see that skin up close there? We actually can do quite a bit of it. We, uh, when okay. COVID um, kicked off, that was one of the things with having an IT background that helped out a lot, mm -hmm. you know, everything kind of shut down. Um, and we went from doing you know, a video visit, you know, maybe once, twice a week to doing pretty much all of them overnight. And uh, it was really getting that, you know, the telehealth set up, getting it, you know, trained and everything. Mm -hmm. um, and there's a lot of patients even now that we can still do telehealth visits on all, all of the Accutane visits, or if it's just, you know, checking in to make sure how your medication is doing. But if it's something that, um, you know, obviously really needs to be looked at or, you know, any kind of a biopsy or anything, they, uh, they have to come in. But there's there's quite a few that we can do um, over video. Okay. Well, that's great. Um, so I've got a few more questions before we sign off. One of these is we have started a new podcast this year called Member Spotlight. And this is one of those episodes where... We had been doing the podcast for several years, and occasionally I did talk to MGMA members, but a lot of times I was talking to uh, people out in the world. You know, they were consultants or they were, um, you know, some type of ex expert that uh, MGMA members could learn from, but they weren't necessarily your core MGMA members who work at practices. And so, uh, the team here at MGMA sent out a, uh, uh, a note uh, out in the member community where you were one of the people who responded to it. I was looking for people to interview. And uh, you had a quote in there that really caught uh, my attention. And it says, I want to read this, um, managers and administrators can come from any background and in any different walk of life, the effectiveness and success of a manager or administrator is not just their education and background, but how they hire, train, and treat their people. So I'd love for you to expound on that quote. Tell us a little bit more about what you, where you are coming from, uh, from that and how it's a philosophy of yours and your practice. Yeah. So, um, 
most uh, office managers or administrators, you'll see them coming from HR or from finance or something like that. My background is 100% IT, which a lot of IT people are very much, you know, they like working with computers and not so much with people. Um, but it, um, I think it's, you know, you're kind of discounting a large portion of where you might see some great um, leaders come from, where my philosophy as an IT manager and director, uh, which I still do now, I, do, I call it management by walking around where when you walk around and you talk to your end users and you find out how things are going, if they're having any problems with computers and stuff, um, you get to know what's going on and where if they have, oh, I, I keep getting this pop-up and I keep hitting ignore, that could be something that is could bring down the system eventually where if you could catch that early, you could see that. And so having that IT and understanding, walking around and talking to people, that's one of the ways that I continue to, um, to run my practice. I do not sit in my office for more than 15, 20 minutes at a time, unless I'm you know, working on financials or something. I'm always upfront, seeing how things are going, make sure the flow is still going, seeing my providers need anything, but it's also paying attention to my people to see how their day is going. Cause you can kind of tell if somebody's having a bad day or if they're in a situation that's stressful, if they're dealing with a, a challenging patient or they need some help. And that way I can just kind of step in and my people know that I'm there for them to take care of them. And I also continue to look for, you know, the next leader, um, bringing on another provider. Um, our staffing level is going to increase. Um, my responsibilities will increase. So I will need to focus more on my leads and the individuals that I have picked out, um, I trained them the same way that I was trained in the military. I gave them the 11 principles of leadership. This is how you operate. This is what I do every day. And um, one of them is a medical assistant. The other one started off as front desk, and now she's my assistant biller moving into that biller role. Um, uh, the other one is my front desk person who he's like the first person the patients see, and he got the job just because he needed a job, but I saw something in him and kept kind of mentoring him. And now he's stepping more into that leadership role. So leaders and managers can come from everywhere and you have to keep an eye out for those good people. That's awesome. All right. Um, I've got a couple more questions for you before we sign off. So first thing is you have earned your MBA. You have earned your FACMPE. Talk about that commitment to continuing education and what that has meant to you as a leader. So one of the things that I've always focused on um, as a leader and as an individual in general is understanding that you don't know everything, regardless of what degree, what certification you have, you don't know everything. Right. And you're not going to know everything. You're going to have to continue to learn. And when I let um, one of my physicians know, hey, I got my FACMBA, you know, she asked what it was and I explained it to her and she was as excited as I was. <laughs> Great. And then her next question was, so what's next? And I'm like, you know, let's I'm going to find out. I'm going to continue to learn and continue to, to seek out other um, ways to to just continue my education, continue learning what's going on. Yeah, that's great. Last question then for you. Uh, you talked about it earlier that um, I'm still stumbling oh, and just in awe uh, of this fact that you started in the military at age 15, 
So talk about that military experience, but look at it. I, I heard you already say that you've shared some uh, military leadership strategies with your staff. So maybe that's one of the answers you have here. But tell us a little bit about that, how you've been able to use that military background and apply it to the healthcare setting. So a lot of um, a lot of the military leadership is taking care of your people, making sure that they have the right tools, the right training, and they're supported. Um, and so that's how I was trained, obviously, from a very young age. Um, when I was uh, stationed at Fort Lewis, when I was 18, I had an opportunity to take leadership role of the personnel automation section. And there were three other individuals, and the other ones wanted nothing to do with because the position because it was more responsibility for the same pay. And I was like, sure, I'll do it. And so it's, then you get the additional training and it's the understanding of following that, those 11 principles of leadership that you're taught in the military um, and just going with that. And that really um, set a foundation in me as a leader to continue on and be able to help people by helping my people help people. So. Okay. Well, Christopher, thanks so much for joining us uh, and sharing these thoughts with us today. Yeah, my pleasure. Yeah, so that is going to do it for this episode of MGMA's Member Spotlight Podcast. Thanks again to Christopher Clark. He has an MBA, has his FACMPE, and he's administrator at Dermatology Consultants of Sacramento. In our episode show notes, I will provide direct links to some points, points of interest that were discussed today. Thanks again for listening and being a part of the MGMA Podcast Network. If you like the work we're doing, please consider becoming an MGMA member. Learn more at mgma.com slash membership. The popular buzzword we've been seeing everywhere is AI. But what we all want to know is how we can implement and use it to our advantage. When it comes to improving margins, accelerating cash flow, and optimizing staff performance, there's a one-stop shop using cloud-based predictive analytics. MGMA Analytics is your AI-enabled tool that upscales technology you've already been paying for, so you can silo your disparate systems and make data-backed business decisions. Visit mgma.com analytics and see how AI can revolutionize your finances and operations. Again, visit mgma.com slash analytics today.